It seems like the wrong season, but I'd like to talk about precepts today. We usually do our precept ceremony when in October. So, um, how many of you have read Thich Nhat Hanh's book, The Mindfulness Survival Kit? It's one of the books that we recommend if you're taking the precepts. And it's it's a really beautiful book, and uh, I want to I want to just do the first precept tonight, and then have you add to the discussion. I love the way he he uh, rewrites the precepts because he really adds a lot to consider with each one. So if you know the Buddhist precepts, I know several of you have taken the precepts, and maybe some a lot of maybe a lot of you have not, but. We start out with the first five precepts, and the first precept is about, and our precepts are just our guidelines, our ethical guidelines. And we all have ethical guidelines, whether we know it or not. You know, we all know, we all have have our own uh, morality that we live by or that we aspire to. But in Buddhism, we have we call them the precepts, and they just help us. Uh, we, the precepts help us recognize when we're not moving in the direction that we want to. A lot of times, the precepts are there to kind of be a, a little bit of a, uh, a flag on the path to let us know if things don't feel right to us or if, or if we're uncomfortable. We can check our precepts and see if we're if we're not living up to uh, the ideals that we want to that we want to live up to so they're not commandments and they're not uh, laws and they if you break break one it doesn't mean you can't come back to the temple they're very personal and they they just help people stay stay on the path so they're they're beautiful to look at because you can take any precept and just keep going and working with it and getting deeper and deeper. So the first precept is about harmlessness. So in our uh, precepts, we talk about we take the precept not to kill, not to harm others, not to harm ourselves. But I want to read what Thich Nhat Hanh says. And I'm, I might skip a little bit of his because he has a whole chapter on each each one. But I'm going to read just a few of the, uh, maybe the first paragraph about the first precept because his wording is beautiful. And we can talk about it in a lot of uh, instances. Oh, this is just the first precept. Aware of the suffering caused by the destruction of life, I am committed to cultivate to cultivating the insight of connection and compassion and learning ways to protect the lives of people, animals, plants, and minerals. I am determined not to kill, not to let others kill, and not to support any act of killing in the world, in my thinking, or in my way of life. Seeing that harmful actions arise from anger, fear, greed, and intolerance, which in turn come from dualistic and discriminative thinking, I will cultivate openness, non-discrimination, and non-attachment to views 
in order to transform violence, fanaticism, and dogmatism in myself and in the world. So I love where he goes from not killing to looking at the way we think. And uh, if we're get if we're if we're involved in dualism, and the dualism would be, okay, uh, this this is I see this on Facebook a lot. I, I don't go on Facebook very much, but when I do, it seems like I'll see this. Uh, someone will talk about how beautiful vegetarianism is, and then if some and then by the by the end of their paragraph about they're vegetarians and they think that's really wonderful. Usually by the end of that paragraph, they're demanding that everybody else should be a vegetarian. And then heaven help us if somebody makes a comment about how they're not vegetarian and how they, they, they feel okay about it. Uh, then the person who's a vegetarian and who's saying we need to protect life and we need to be, you know, take care of our bodies. Then they get really mean, and they get they get militant. And and some the the last time I saw that on Facebook, I had to I really didn't want to, but it just got worse and worse. I was I'm reading comments. It just was telling calling people out and tell, saying you know you're really horrible because you you know you don't agree with me. And I I decided it's time to unfriend that person. You know, and I do it the way where they don't know it, but I'm doing it. Because I don't, I, I see, and when I was reading the precepts with Thich Nhat Hanh's explanation, he just hits exactly to the point of that, right? If we have views that become militant and dogmatic, and it's like, I'm, I'm right and you're wrong, that, like, I'm right not to kill animals for my food. And you're wrong if you do, or if you, if you eat meat. And, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you feel really bad about it. And, uh, and it gets into, it gets into an argument. I think that really defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? Because it's that, it's that anger and those toxins that that release, that's what's poisoning our body. And, uh, it, to me, it defeats the whole purpose of what, uh, being a vegetarian would, should be about. So I think we can think about this. I was curious about your thoughts too, because I, I, I just love the way, and then he goes on for page after page. But here's another comment before I open it to you. Um, in a world in which people use violence in the name of idealism, religion, or God, the first mindfulness training helps us transform our Craving, anger, and ignorance. So we're, we're looking at, at the precepts too, not just in the Four Noble Truths. We're always working with, with our own anger, our aversion, or our clinging. Like if we want to cling to, I say, if you're, the meat eaters can do it too. They can get just as nasty as the vegetarians because you start poking the bear with whatever argument it is, you know. And so if, if one side starts getting kind of nasty about it, usually the other side right raises to the situation. So we're always working with anger and we're working with desire 
that you know we like something, so we want everybody to like it, and and ignorance, delusion. So I love this explanation about the first. You know, we yeah protect life and honor honor and f- find life sacred, but that doesn't mean becoming a militant. And it doesn't matter what the reason is. It doesn't. It doesn't merit becoming uh, angry, because as soon as we become angry about our causes or our projects, uh, we lose our effectiveness because our anger is is uh, not letting us see clearly. Our anger causes just a whole screen to come down. And so whatever our cause is or whatever point we're trying to make just washes away because the anger is tainting it. Um, I was thinking about, you know, compassion fatigue that we talk about a lot. And I think sometimes it's compassion fatigue may just be we get really close to something that becomes something that we really, like uh, my daughter loves, is working a lot with uh, animals. And, well, animals and homeless animals and homeless people. And so she she can, she can has to watch herself because she can get so upset when she sees something uh, that's, a, that's a sad situation and it can and she has to always be watching that it's she's watching whether she's getting angry about it or not because then it's not it's not helpful and it's and i think that's where the fatigue comes from if we allow ourselves to get to become overwrought or angry because then we move away from the place of love and love is what we really need to bring to those kind of situations and those kind of issues in the world and it's hard for us to do that because we start seeing it like I'm right and what they're doing or what the laws are saying or what people are doing is not right. And as soon as that gets into it, it, it taints the argument. And we're, we've lost that openness. And I think if there's one thing the Buddha talks about all of the time, it's about moderation, the middle path, and the the always keeping our keeping our fronts open you know keeping our keeping our belly soft and keeping keeping ourselves open to other viewpoints and other we we don't have to agree with them but we need to always be open to them and think about why are why am i why do i disagree so strongly or why does it bother me that there are other viewpoints um i i I've realized recently that the more I become involved in the Buddhist teachings and the more I study and the more I, you know, interact with people, the more I realize that every single teaching or way people can be is prob it's all probably equally valid. It's just a matter of how sincere we are about it and how we and if we have uh, if we have compassion and love and uh, mudita appreciative joy and equanimity those four qualities so it's not it's all the things about the trappings which is all all this stuff right even this building 
that's not the most important thing. And it should be that anyone feels welcome here and we, we're always willing to listen to other people and, and pick from that. I do a lot of things with the Siena Center, which is a Catholic monastery and they have a retreat center in Racine. And I, I can't see any difference anymore between the, the things that they do, what, that the nuns do and the retreat center does. It's, there's just not any, there's no difference between what we do because they're doing wonderful work and they're, they're, they're always open and listening to us. And they love to have me there and talk. I, I was ta- I was talking last week, and I was invited there to talk about the Buddha as a mystic. And you know, my first thing was, well, whoa, 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 the Buddha was not a mystic. So I started off like, I can't even talk about this because I don't think Buddhists talk about mystics. And by the time I worked on the topic and and. Uh, and, and the, the person who sets the program up every year has a very open definition of what a mystic is. So I went to the to my talk. Uh, I talked, they had Rumi, St. John of the Cross, and Thomas Merton, and the Buddha in a series of talks. And it invited me to talk about the Buddha. So I was talking to a group, probably half of them were nuns, and the other half were people in the community and some were Catholic and some weren't. But I'm talking about the Buddha having his, his enlightened enlightenment experience. So I'm talking about the Buddha saw all of his past lives, you know, just move, kind of, that was to me his mystical experience. He saw all of his past lives, and that was part of the night. And he realized that, there, that, that the, the self he realized seeing all the things he had been and all the lives he had experienced, that there, he came face to face with the self, that there isn't a self. And then he saw the lives, all the, all the lives of all beings, all living things, and over like hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of years. And so he understood how we're connected to each other. And, and at the middle of that, I'm thinking, I'm talking to a whole bunch of nuns about rebirth and uh, stuff that they might just really want to chew me up about. But that wasn't the way they received it at all. They had great questions, and they were fascinated with the story, and they, they could really enjoy it and appreciate it. And... Um, and I, that was, I realized that's so wonderful. I could have, uh, I could have had a completely different reaction from them. The like, well, how do you know that people have more than, you know, how do you know, how do you, why do you believe in rebirth? And was, is, is Buddha the son of God? You know, it could have been questions trying to fit Buddhism into their religion. And they weren't like that. They were fascinated and loved to hear the stories of the, about the Buddha, and thinking about that, you know, what could be or, or not uh, mysticism, but it and it was so lovely to see that, and uh, I realized it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter as long as we know that there's love in that group of people, so they're going to be open. That I didn't expect anybody to leave that room and go, oh, I'm going to become a Buddhist. 
the program director is a Catholic Zen, so she she brings a lot of stuff into the retreat center. But I had no feeling of I need to convert these people or they need to start uh, thinking that they, being Buddhist would be better than being Catholic or whatever other people were. But I felt completely at home and completely with a group of loving people who wanted to be open to other people's viewpoints. And I thought, that's, that's all that we really need to do, right? And we, if we're all living with, uh, with the, with our ethical behavior in whatever path we're taking, you know, with those little, those little flags telling us when maybe we, we need to look at our behavior and, and maybe that's where our problems come from. So, um, that's been my kind of wake up call is to be really aware of that and not be kind of smug. When I first became a Buddhist, I think I was kind of smug about it. I know I was kind of smug about it. Like, this is, this is more, more true than the other stuff. Or this is more right than the other stuff. And, and I can't, I can't say that anymore. So, um, I like your comments about the, these ideas about the precepts or if, of this first precept where you see yourself with that. Yeah, that's always the answer, right? And um, if if you if you now here's what I can feel too. If I read something a militant vegetarian is writing about, and a militant vegan is just way out there. <laughs> but if 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 you read it and you start feeling that anger, it makes me want to go eat a hamburger, you know. It's, <laughs> it provokes the opposite opposite uh, reaction in me. But and and I don't think the Buddha was writing, I mean, that first precept I don't think is necessarily even about whether we eat meat or not. It's about uh it's about how we live our lives being doing no harm to ourselves or to others. And the Buddha never, the, the Buddha would never say, and there were people trying to pressure him, like his cousin, monk Devadatta, uh, they wanted him to say, oh, say that we have to be vegetarians. And he, and he actually said, no, I'm not going to do that. Because it wasn't the middle path. And he probably knew more about health and nutrition than a lot of other people. So we're not, our, we don't necessarily get all the nutrients we need, and we uh, there are a lot of people that that need to eat meat or choose to eat. So there's never any uh, 
there's 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 never any pressure from the Buddha. Uh, we have to respect life. So I think we should, if we do eat eat meat and if we eat vegetables, we should be respectful of that life, and the and it's and the way we grow things and the, you know, the way we we handle the way the way we handle the animals that we may end up eating. You know, we need to be more humane. And we make those, we have to make those choices ourselves every day. Anybody else have, want to say something or have had an experience? I, I, I try to take the middle path. I choose to eat meat, I drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, that's good. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> it, it draws forth an image in my mind of, of two men in a field of eating each other, one saying war and the other one saying peace. Um, That's exactly what it is, right? One of whom is at least concordant with his values. The other of whom has lost the way a little bit. But mm-hmm. Yeah, if you if your purpose is to make people suffer because they eat meat, that's probably defeating defeating the purpose. Yeah. And and other things that we you know when we talk about what life is, we're talking down to the minerals. You know, we're talking so imagine how we treat this world, this planet. I mean just the the environment and the things that we've destroyed and killed just as a uh, uh, in in growing industries and growing uh, the economic marketplace and uh, polluting the water, I think we have to look at all of those issues too about how the fish, the the life in the oceans and in the rivers. So there's lots of stuff to look at besides whether we eat meat or not. And or fish and chicken—they're both—they're still living things, right? So, um, I think it's a—I think it's a big, broad look that we have to take. Um, I was—I was thinking one of the things we have to do here at the temple is to really seriously look at like all the plastic bottles we use because we don't usually like to drink the tap water here. 
So if you come to any of our events, there are just a million plastic bottles of water. And uh, we use styrofoam. And we've, we've got it, and that's because somebody gave us a whole bunch of styrofoam. So there's always, there, there have been, for years, there's this sort of uh, policy, well, we'll use it, we'll just use it up because we have it. And, and I've been coming since 2007, and it seems like that the styrofoam is, it's surely it's had to be replaced. I mean, there's, that's been, that's what, 11 years, and we're still using styrofoam. So there are things like that that are, that's, those are things that are killing, killing the world, killing the, killing animals and killing us and getting into the environment. And we have to, uh, maybe set aside debate about what kind of food we, each one of us is personally eating and work on some other things that could be simpler and could make a big difference. So I don't know how I'm going to work that one out, how I'm going to get rid of the styrofoam and the plastic bottles. It's, I, need, I need help. <laughs> so if you have good ideas. Um, but those are, those are things we have to look at, too. We, and we have to get real about that, get serious about that. We're, we sometimes, our institutions get away with things that at home we don't do because we, we don't have to take as much personal responsibility in our institutions. But I'd like to see it. Uh-huh. Yeah, this, it helps did, people at least relate a little bit better than you should never use plastic again. Because that's, you know, you're, that's you're not going to happen. You're going to push them into a corner and it's, you know, they're going to go eat the hamburger. <laughs> exactly. The straw is a great example, isn't it? I mean, that, that was a wonderful campaign. I don't know, does everybody still use straws? Do all the. <laughs> Have you quit using straws? Yeah, it was a similar thing to the styrofoam at the temple where like, there was a drawer that had a whole bunch of like, just straws from wherever the commons or whatever. And so like, I was willing to use those and now they're gone, so I'm not going to go out and get more. But, you know, try not to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we try to use up what we try to use up what we have because if if you're just throwing it out, it's still you're creating a problem. But I think somebody's replaced the styrofoam here because that was a huge box if they if they haven't. But we have to watch that. You know, we've got to be watching things like that. If anybody wants to be on a committee, that's another good. That's a good committee to have. But you're right. We have to we have to look at. Um, we have to take the middle path with things. If we make it too extreme, it doesn't. That that uh, rubber band breaks, you know. If we if we put pull it too far, yeah.
everybody has a few coffee. And I've been vegan for over two years now. I don't even like discussing this because it just begins it raises my anxiety. Oh yeah. I stay away from it because people automatically make assumptions. First assumption is that they think that they're they're going to think you're going to want to argue with them about it, right? That you're going to uh, uh, proselytize. And for people that even know me, you know I won't do that. They think I'm crazy. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's never how you do this or why do you do this. It's just it's, it's one subject that it's just. I mean, you can discuss religion and war and immigration, but you discuss food and. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you. Yeah, that makes me think about the debate, the book that you're making, you know, that you're working with, the the debate that um, the the Buddha was very clear about food. He always said we should eat moderately. We should eat in moderation. Because if we overeat, we get, this is what he always told his monks, and it's good for all of us. If you overeat, then you get sleepy, and then you can't meditate. You fall asleep when you're supposed to be uh, meditating. And if you undereat, you're, it's like the Buddha was starving, when he was starving himself as a, uh, spiritual mortification of the body, you know, to purify his body. And he knew that that leads to killing yourself. So that moderation, you know, that that's when we have to figure out what that is for us or how best to do it. So, and that's not easy, right? But I love, that's when the Buddha, his thing is the middle path. And that's, he, at, food was there too. Right. That's, you know, as you said, there's ethical roads to that too. And then when he comes from how he Right. Everybody has a different path. If your doctor's telling you to eat meat, you should probably eat meat. I don't feel. Yeah. Yeah. We have so many choices, right? Yeah, I didn't know about the monkeys in Thailand. That's oh, now I'm now coconut milk. <laughs> Soy milk's not good for you. Yeah, they take those from the Amazon forests that are cultivated with soybeans. So sometimes even without others, it's that internal conflict that you have and finding that middle path. That's a that's a good point because that we have so many choices 
It's just enough to make us sick, right? Just that inner anxiety over making the right choices. And, the, and that's, again, dualistic, right? The right choices. Just from the milk, what you're saying about the milk, there's no right choice, right? Every Everybody in here has just the kind of milk you drink, if you can drink milk, because I can't drink milk. But um, there's there's got to... Is anybody right or wrong about the milk they drink? <laughs> it's... Yeah. yeah. Like, what do you do? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you promote the, the idea of, um, like, relieving that suffering and honoring mm-hmm. and other things? Like, you try to do one thing, but you're actually harming something else. Right. And we and we can see we see all that interconnectedness, and we see all that we're kind of when we violate it. But the the, the Buddha's point was always we have to find the, a middle way, and I think that's for all of us personally, right? We have to know what what, and we may start out thinking this is middle middle path, and then this is my middle path. It changes. Hmm. say that the suffering that's remained 
because they're transferring, you know, the loss of an animal life to transmuting it into something inside of an individual body, floating on the venom, guilt, and shame, uh, which is the problem with the process that doesn't really create peace, it just shifts up. Shifts it, yeah, shifts it to some other field. stay very patient with that person because they're reacting to an idea of what they think you are and if you you know become what they think you are you react how they think what they think they're about they're going to continue down their path and they get frustrated and feel like but if you really you know kind of sit and be patient with people like that uh, your patience is exemplary and it's you know it's still far away from the conversation of you know, the first little bit of shifting that can happen in another person's mind is a deed. And I think that begins the whole process of creating good relationships, good dialogue, and ultimately creating large change farther down the way. Yeah, patience patience is, is really important. It's an important way to deal with anger in ourselves and even in other people. So it's really powerful. Yeah. No, because everybody has, yeah, everybody has an opinion and they want to make it known. So, okay, we're going to wrap up. Did you want to say one last thing? Yeah. And you know, the uh, uh, guilt and shame doesn't work very well. That's the one thing we should know. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make people stop drinking. It doesn't make people stop smoking cigarettes. And it, it often has that boomerang effect, right? So uh, that's, not a, that's not a really mature uh, reasoning. It's not going to work. Okay, thank you very much.